Welcome back, everybody, to the Quantum Shit Show. We are your hosts, Jody, Bo, and Danny. Hey, hey. What's up? And today is a very special day because we have a dear, dear friend of ours on the show that we invited just to join in on a conversation. Her name is Shannon Morton, and she does lots of different kinds of work. Um, but we really just love her presence and what she brings to the table, what she has to offer. And I think it'd probably be best maybe at the end of the show or something if, Shannon, you wanted to share about how people can reach you um, or exactly what you do in your words. But uh, for now, we just welcome you onto the show and we're so thrilled to share space with you once again. Mm-hmm. and um, bring this very special first guest onto the Quantum Shit Show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay, I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, And we can we can put her contact information in the show notes too. Yeah. Like all of yeah, her, all, all of her all stuff. All different ways for people to see what you got going on. And we, of course, were having a pre-podcast discussion. And... Um, really started talking about the topic of enlightenment (laughs) and a few other things. So that is uh, kind of the direction we're going with this. So sit back, relax, and buckle up. It's about to get bumpy. (laughs) (laughs) It could. Hopefully not. Let's be serious. It probably (laughs) (laughs) I just wish that people could see what's going on because – I just told Bo this the other day. I was like, there's times I'm listening back to the podcast and something gets said and one of us will laugh and it seems so like out of context. And I'm like, but they don't realize we can see each other's faces when this is going on. Right. <laughs> there's yeah. more to the story. And I'm laughing because Danica just held up the coolest little mug while she was sipping on it, getting ready to talk about enlightenment. <laughs> so. Yes, this is a, a beautiful mug. It's got flowers and it's it's pink. It's got a lot of different light floral patterns on it. And it says, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> That's our mood today. Mood. <laughs> and every day. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this conversation around enlightenment, we got to talking about it. Danica and I had been in conversation about it during the week and um, – so we just started sharing our thoughts around enlightenment, and um, I'm sure there will be some other things that come to the table today while we're talking. But um, yeah, Danica, you have anything you want to throw in right now as we're starting? Yeah, I mean, I guess I can go ahead and preface this. I shared um, I shared something to my story by a woman named Irene Lyon, and she, one of her mentors was, is Dr. Peter Levine. She's a nervous system expert. And, um, she 
she shared a quote from him that said, of course, uh, I'm paraphrasing, so um, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was something like to the effect that um, the human race would reach enlightenment when every person on the planet has regulated their nervous systems. And she shared the quote and, um, and then in the caption, she said, I don't believe in enlightenment, but I didn't want to misquote the man himself, Dr. Peter Levine. And then she shared, you know, uh, some other stuff and she was like, but would it look like enlightenment if every single person on the planet was focused on their family and raising healthy families and kids and then being involved in their community? And they were, um, you know, only worried about being their truest version of themselves and being the creative weirdos that they are. And, you know, and, and she was like, if this is what enlightenment is, let's have it. Let's focus on um, nourishing our nervous systems. And again, I'm paraphrasing there. I'm not reading off of anything, but that was to the effect of what she said. And I shared it. And, you know, I admit it is a, a little perhaps too simple, too much of a simplified version of maybe what enlightenment is. But, um, so the response to it was just that, you know, that this is an oversimplified version of enlightenment. And I got into a conversation with, um, with somebody about it and we started talking and I was like, I don't even know that I necessarily believe in enlightenment or what the current definition of enlightenment actually is. Mm-hmm. And to me, it would probably be more along the lines of like embodiment and, and what comes through that process. Um, to me, that would be kind of what enlightenment probably actually is, would be, um, Shannon, you said the word uh, that perfectly describes it, the awakenings that come through the, the process, the practice of embodiment and what that does for you and your healing process. And <clears throat> so ultimately this person and I ended up agreeing, but um, Jody, you and I got into a conversation around it afterwards around like this new age definition of enlightenment and like the actual etymology of the word and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Cause that's kind of where I was going with it too. And thinking yeah. About, like, I, well, <laughs> you know, here's the thing you guys and y'all, you all know me in this little group, but for those of you listening, you don't know me yet. Here's a little, here's a little inside. I get so perturbed with the spiritual community. Um, <clears throat> if you didn't know, welcome to the quantum shit show. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I find that every little next thing that gets brought to the table or every little next thing that gets, you know, illuminated. And and I even mean like bringing up words like this. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people go round and round about words. And really it's coming from a place of very limited understanding. And that's what I think frustrates me the most. It's like, well, hold on, just hold your horses. Like, let's not again, throw the baby out with the freaking bathwater like we all tend to do in these spaces because of things that we've endured at the hands of other ignorant people. Um, Let's take a minute, take a beat and see what's what here. And my question to Danica, she was talking to me about enlightenment. I was like, oh my God, we have a problem with enlightenment now? Oh my gosh, I did not even know. (laughs) Jody, you were so funny. You were like, damn, we got played because our whole podcast is on enlightenment. (laughs) I sent her a gift that was like, you played yourself from (laughs) You know. You played yourself. I'm just like, so anyway, it it came down to Danica and I having the conversation and I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, in the 1700s, that word was actually being brought forward because 
collectively, people were beginning to question dogma and tradition that was just being widely accepted and practiced and started going, hey, wait a minute. So they were basically questioning their own, con- their mind controlled, you know, ways of living basically is what mm-hmm. we're talking about. And Shannon, you did say this as we were starting this conversation beforehand, you were saying like these were coined great awakenings, you know, the first great awakening, second great awakening. And so, yeah, that was my part in all, in all of it. I was like, we need to chill out because it's like, if we're going to get turned upside down, every time somebody uses a word that honestly has been hijacked. It's Mm -hmm. honestly been agendized and all of these other things. It's like, can we just take a beat for a minute and understand what this actually means and not get so, um, I guess worked up. I I don't even know Mm -hmm. if people are getting worked up. I'm getting worked up right now, but you know what I mean? It's just like- I think it triggers people because there's a sense of like absolute in like a word like that. And I think that's what begins to trigger people is because we've gotten so far away from actually acknowledging the nuance and- words like this because this, um, and I'll admit like whenever I hear the word enlightenment, and this is why I agreed with this person. Cause I was like, I don't necessarily believe in what the current definition of enlightenment is because yeah. like you said, it's been hijacked and it is, this seems to be synonymous with ascension. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just meaning like the act of bringing light to something. The, the mm-hmm. act of illuminating something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right, but then that, that right there too, people would be like, oh no, illuminating something, the Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> Lucifer, right. Lucifer, oh no. Yeah, which is digging into all that fear-based programming, but if like people really look to the core of these things, they all say the same. They all say the same thing. We say this, we've said it on the show before, is if you look to... The core of religion, the core of New Age spirituality, the core of uh, the Masonic order, the Jesuit order, you see all the branches leading to the same tree trunk and everything comes, it it all simmers down to the same little essence of uh, geometry. Exactly. I mean, we're talking about pure principle here, which is where the first part of our um, (laughs) pre-podcast discussion took us, mm-hmm. uh, which was talking about um, <laughs> being able to understand God or, you know, how could you describe what God is or what that means um, if it is, you know, it came up in controversy that what was shared this last week was, you know, God is not a personality mm-hmm. um, necessarily or, or uh, a personal identity of sorts or mm-hmm. a being, a character, um, a character. And there was a lot of interesting feedback, I'll say. Um, but that kind of led us into the enlightenment conversation. And I just think that it's re- Shannon, what you said is kind of the same place that I was at with it of just like, literally what the word is saying is enlightenment, you know, like to be enlightened, to be lit up to be illuminated and uh, you look at Lucifer and that word, doesn't it mean like the illuminated one? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what that word means? Or the, or the illuminator. Star. Yeah. yeah. What Shannon star. said. Yeah. What is it? Morning star. Oh, the morning <clears throat> star. Mm-hmm. Wait, but don't they call, um, don't they call Jesus the morning sun? 
he's also the morning star. He says, and I think it was Isaiah that he was the morning star. Oh, um, we're about to break it down right now, y'all. Yeah. We are about to drop the well, ball. And the reason I know that is because <laughs> Danica is Macedonian for morning star. It means morning star. My mom said she named me after Jesus, but then my sister, uh, <laughs> my, my sister was like, "No, Satanica, you." Are, oh my you god! Are. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a whole there's a whole family history here. But you listeners, do with that whatever you want because I've been called all the names, so it doesn't face me anymore. Me and my me and my sister also did the same thing. Siblings are hilarious because they come up with the rhymes for each other's names. That's what me and my sister Alyssa yeah. did. And she used, she, my name's Bo. So she used to call me blow when she was really mad at me. And <laughs> I used to call her a <laughs> yeah. I was Bananica when she, she was sweet to me. And then I was Satanica whenever she wanted to piss me off. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh man. This is so funny. So yeah, Shannon, you were talking about as we were bringing this forward, you were talking about enlightenment. And one of the things I said to Danica as we were messaging and talking back and forth, I was like, our enlightenment needs to be enlightened. You know, it's like, <laughs> mm. oh, oh my goodness gracious, the you guys. show out there. <laughs> That's just the whole concept still, like going back to it's the same thing all the time about thinking like, oh, we live in a matrix and there are all these narratives and whatever and, and acknowledging that, but then failing to acknowledge that your own personal beliefs are probably absolutely part of a narrative in some way. Like we're still buying into so many narratives. And so it's like, Mm -hmm. there's no room for getting condescending about things because Mm -hmm. we're all right there in the same you know, bowl of shit together, basically. (laughs) That reminds me, it reminds me of something that you said, Shannon, during our webinar that we, that we did for the solstice last year. And you said, uh, it's important. (laughs) It was kind of actually dreadful what you said. It's important to kill your darlings. (laughs) But I think, I think that you said it was a literary term, like, like in writing to like, I don't, I don't remember how it's, you said it's it. It's in but. order to be able to edit out the things you love that you think are amazing to really be able to put them under the microscope, putting them on the chopping block. And if they don't pass the test, cutting them out. Like even yeah. if you love it, even if you think it's amazing, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like God being a being, like this amazing mother, father, you know, beings in the sky, kill your darling. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, right. if it's not, if it doesn't make the cut, it doesn't make the cut. Right. Mm-hmm. No matter how much you want it to. Sky Daddy didn't make the cut. <laughs> oh, man. Sky Daddy didn't make the cut. But in some mythology, Sky Daddy totally made the cut. Yeah. And, um, you know, looking back to a lot of different origin stories or myths, especially Sumerian mythology is so interesting because you see so many parallels. And I think we've briefly touched on this at, at the beginning of whenever we started recording this, not this episode but this podcast in total at the beginning of the year is like when we start to really expand our awareness to not so much digging and seeking and searching for for all this information but really taking it as it comes whenever it comes um that's what happened for for a lot of us um that's what i see happening for more and more people is just like whenever you start looking at Things like religion that have painted a picture of God, who and what God is and what it means to be in relationship with God. 
Um, they've actually hijacked different terms, Christ. Um, they've used certain names as a weapon, pleading the blood of Jesus. You know, Christianity is a, a big one, but mm-hmm. you see it um, in so many different ways. If we actually take a step back and start looking at where, you know, the stories come from, you see uh, direct parallels and almost like um, as if somebody was uh, taking the playwright and publishing it in the most widely purchased and widely used book in the world. Mm-hmm. These The stories that preface the New Testament are actually directly transcribed from other writings, mm-hmm. other stories, other mythologies. Yes. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, if you start kind of picking apart the translations, and as, as I have seen from being connected with Jody, is like these words, um, I mean, the stories have been translated over and over and over. And whenever we get to the core of how they were all written and take a step back and look at it from a theological perspective and more of a, you know, unbiased perspective, if we can disconnect from uh, the majority of our if we have a religious upbringing or spiritual upbringing of any kind, and we just look at these things for what they are Mm -hmm. and where they came from or what was going on at the time these things were written or published or added in to these books, you start to see uh, kind of like a cosmic backstory to this whole thing that has been totally Terra, (laughs) not terror, but Terra, like earthly uh, grounded and you see like the the context mm-hmm. I think that's that's a word that that's been coming up but um, also Danica and what you were sharing with a conversation you had and somebody being like you know I think this is too simple aka there's not enough context here mm-hmm. um, we have access to the context and we have absolute uh, I think we have a we talked about rights and responsibilities on the very first episode of this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a right to know, but also a responsibility at this point to inform ourselves of Mm -hmm. what's actually been going on here. Um, Because if we don't, we really end up remaining just as susceptible as we've always been to the next person who wants to come in and inject a narrative, inject an agenda and bring BS to the table that's confusing, that causes us to um, doubt ourselves, that that actually traumatizes us in different ways, according to the definition of bringing conflict that is unresolved or separating us from our true identity. Um, We can start to, if we can see back to these origin points um, and look at things like Jehovah, Yahweh, their origins, um, we can learn to digest the information, digest the history, integrate what's ours to keep, ditch the rest, and look beyond that to having uh, an even deeper, more personal experience with what God actually is. Because I'll repeat it, and we say it often in our work, is we're meant to know God. Mm -hmm. We're not supposed to be completely out of the loop when it comes to how this world works or what we're connected to. 
and being in relationship with God, we've talked about it as almost like a necessity. Whenever you want to come back to wholeness, you will inevitably, all, all of these things eventually lead back to the same place. And God is not meant to be a mystery. Our purpose here is not meant to be a mystery. It seems a mystery because it's been so shrouded with just so much information. I mean, there's so many different stories out there that at this point, if you don't go within yourself, it's going to be very difficult to kind of nail down what feels real because you have to kind of go within to be able to sense that. But uh, it's not meant to be mysterious. And I understand that there is an aspect of humanity where we are humbled. We are in awe at at the wonder, um, our ability to wonder and to ask why or how, or even just stand in reverence for incredible things that have been done or built or that are happening for us or for others. But at the same time, inevitably, we're meant to really know what's going on. Inevitably, we're meant to really know God. And at the end of the day, I personally don't think that there's anything wrong with having access or knowing God or uh, being able to really say what that could be or what it is. And I definitely don't think that it's wrong for anybody to try and fail and try again to really understand what this is because I think that at the core of this, the spiritual journey, that's, that's the motive. Mm-hmm. That was a whole Ted talk. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> that was good. But, but like in order to be able to do that, like I think one of the things I've been seeing a lot lately, like back to all the narrative buying and back to all of that went bow when you're talking about like, going in to be able to do that. I think the first thing we do when we go in is we have to dismantle the way that we have been conditioned to learn or think because we've been conditioned to learn and think in such a compartmentalized way that it's like, you know, we lose that wonder. We lose that ability to question and ask why it's like, we don't even know what we don't know. We don't know. You know what I mean? Like we, we're in that kind of space with it. It's like until we can dismantle that, um, because that compartmentalized learning is going to lead to all kinds of fractured thinking and all kinds of fracturing, period, right? Like that's the point. That's the point is to pull all of our knowledge, separate all of it, um, make it so that none of it, there's no connection, right? And so there's no room for expansion. There's no room for connecting the dots and looking at this piece and how it flows into this piece because it's all compartmentalized on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you are bringing that up, Shannon, because that's exactly what I'm thinking as we're having these conversations. It's like you start talking about enlightenment and it's like, oh, well, we don't like enlightenment because enlightenment is a problem because enlightenment got hijacked. And then it's like, well, but hold on. But enlightenment is actually what we're all on the path doing. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we're actually attempting to enlighten ourselves right now. We're just not calling it enlightenment. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're questioning things. We're asking for more information. We're going a little bit deeper. And mm-hmm. it's that, like what you said, Shannon, is like we have to like get honest with ourselves about the fact that we are so overlaid with um, manipulation 
and different programs and and um, things that have already been predetermined, so to speak, in terms of like how we learn or how we receive information or whatever. There's so much to unpack that it could feel overwhelming. It could feel exhausting when you start looking at it and go, well, shit, you know, it's like every time I think I've gotten somewhere else, it's like, oh, no, I got to unlearn that too. I got to unlearn that. And so I get it. It can be um, mentally exhausting to think about in terms of like all of the layers here. And as soon as we think we know something, (laughs) we're probably going to get super tripped up because there's going to be this piece that we don't know that we don't know, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah. I like that you were bringing that forward because that's exactly what's going on in my head is like, it's a whole thing. It's not just stopping at like, let's understand where the word came from. It's like, you got to go even deeper than that and understand like why I even got to the point that I think the way I think, you know? Well, I think it's so important to also just acknowledge that enlightenment is a process. It's a process. It's not some sort of like destination of supreme omniscience. You know, like because I think that absolutism is what gets people all worked up and tripped up. And, and I've already said this, but just to expand on it is because they think like, oh, enlightenment, like, you know, you must be sanctimonious or you think that you're omnipotent now because you know something like you've reached the pinnacle of knowing. And it's like, no, <laughs> enlightenment is a process. Yeah. It's literally just stripping all of those layers off, just like you were talking about. And... um going deeper and deeper and deeper, continuing to question and question and question. We talk about this all the time in quantum work. We're peeling back the layers. That's what Mm. enlightenment is. And bringing our awareness (laughs) into that, like in every Mm -hmm. new layer, bringing our awareness. So that's like that awareness can open things up further. Like when Jody, when you're talking about like, oh, it can feel so daunting. It can feel so daunting. And it can, if we're looking for, like Danica said, if we're looking for an end goal, if we're looking for like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is going to be the pinnacle of all of the, this is the thing that will fix everything. (laughs) That kind of, you know, nonsense thinking. That's what people want though. They don't want a process. They don't want a lifelong practice. That's true. They want the easy button. How do I hit the easy mm-hmm. button? Is this the thing that's going to fix everything? Is this the thing that's right. going to make me whole and complete? Is this the bringing your awareness into things that's going to be the thing that keeps mm-hmm. propelling us forward? That's mm-hmm. And that's why I was saying earlier that I think enlightenment is more similar to embodiment because it is the process, the practice of doing it. It's like, the practice of embodiment is what begins to peel back all those layers of the self to bring about the process of enlightenment. Well, I mean, honestly, at its simplest, at its simplest, enlightenment is the baby who figures out that its hand is attached to its body. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and still seriously. hasn't discovered its toes yet and still hasn't discovered its toes. Does that mean it's unenlightened then because it still hasn't figured out it has toes? <laughs> no, it's stoked because it has hands. Right. <laughs> like, right. It's like these are – this is the simplest way to come back yeah. at it. It's like every human on the planet has been in a process of enlightenment since their incarnation. And it's not exactly what you said, Danica and Shannon. It's not this big pursuit of the apex of knowing. It is every little discovery, every little moment that the light gets turned on and you're like, oh my God, that's been there the whole time. I didn't even know that was there. I didn't see that before. And you're always going to have that person that comes to the baby and is like, ha ha, you little shit. You think you know everything because you have hands, but you don't even know that you have a nose yet. You know, it's like... Right. You're still living in darkness. 
poor kid can't catch a break, y'all. <laughs> like, just let us learn. Right. Right. I think it's really powerful too. Um, and it's, it, it brings the, the perspective to the table. I feel that if you, if we asked, you know, 10 different experts in their experts in 10 different fields of study, you know, ranging from nutrition to physics to biology and, and all, at, at the core, these things start to blend together. But you ask them like, what is enlightenment to you? You start to hear all kinds of different perspectives and um, definitions or understandings. Some people would be like, I don't know. Some people would be like, well, it seems like it'd be like this. And some people would say, well, according to where I'm at right now, mm-hmm. and it'd be uh, even more personal too sometimes. It probably would be about? applicable to their personal field of study because that. I think that's exactly what I saw happening <clears throat> whenever Irene shared that quote from Peter Levine because of course he would think that because that's his particular field of study. Yeah. That's what I mean. And, and, it's, and it's foundational. You know what I mean? That's and it what is, I was laughing And about. it's not the only part of what enlightenment is. Right. But I think it's a Probably a big chunk of it. It's compartmentalized. That, like, yeah, exactly. Is, is this part of it? Absolutely. Is there another part? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. That's what was making me laugh is I had this whole scenario play out in my mind while y'all were talking about the baby with the hand. And it's like, this is what happens and causes people. Oh my gosh. It causes so many nonsensical things to happen with people, right? But it's like, can you imagine the baby going, oh my God, I have a hand this hand is attached to my body. Everyone needs to know about Everyone hands. Everyone needs to know. Everyone needs to know about hands. We're going to do a three-day workshop on the power of the hand. <laughs> and we're going to do a course called Your Hand is Part of You. And it's like, right. this is what happens. And so people park at these little moments of awakening mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's bad or whatever, like do share as you learn, like it's great to share and stuff, but it's why I've always said, cause I've watched it happen so many times, hold your beliefs loosely because mm-hmm. your beliefs will change as information comes to mm-hmm. you. you. What you think you believe will change. I don't believe the same things I believed when I was 15. You know, I mean, a lot has changed in my life, obviously. And we accept that in ourselves. And then when other people start to grow and evolve around us and they have deeper understandings or deeper awarenesses, we freak the fuck out if they try to bring them forward and be like, whoa, 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 Mm -hmm. where are you going? What are you doing? It's like, well, this is called evolution. You know, Mm -hmm. this is how we are here um, living and functioning on the planet. So. It's funny. The ones who usually attend the course about hands are the ones who also just discovered they had hands. <laughs> well, that was what I was. Or that's what I was going to say. Or still, that's like, what I was going to say. What hands? What? Yeah. <laughs> and it's so useful for them, right? Because the 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 hand workshop is like it's great for people who don't know that they have hands yet. And so they need to attend it because it's going to help enlighten them that they have fucking hands, right? But then as this workshop, as the person who's created the workshop, as they begin to evolve, then it's going to be like, wow, my next workshop is going to be on two hands. Did you know I have two hands? Or eventually it's going to evolve into um, the power of the limbs because we have four limbs, right? And right. then it's or like, you, you know, and it, the more that they enlighten, it's going to 
actually <laughs> begin to encompass the bigger picture. And I think that that's, that's really wonderful. But then you're always going to have the jerk on the side that's like, yeah, but you don't even fucking know that we have hair yet. And I'm going to hold a workshop on the hair and I'm going to, you know, what you're doing is wrong, but it's like, they're probably all, everything is interconnected and we're just seeing little parts of it. That, right. That's it. That is it. The interconnection, that expansion. There were we're always making connection. We're always expanding. That is the thing. That's the antithesis to that compartmentalized mm-hmm. thing that we love. We love compartmentalization, right? Like think about public school and how it's like, oh, I have English. English doesn't just exist in English class, right? Like it, it's all over the place. Math, science, it's all of that. But we learn to compartmentalize. We learn mm-hmm. to put knowledge in a box. And so that's exactly, yeah. We talk mm-hmm. about this a lot on the show too. And at the core, that compartmentalization is is uh, fractionality. Yep. It's it's fracturing. And and then God <laughs> and uh, is, is the union, right? It's the fractality. It's all of this, uh, it's the cohesion. But then, of course, the union gets hijacked too. <laughs> then the unity and all of that, it also gets hijacked. So, yeah, we haven't even started talking about gloves in the world of gloves <laughs> and what you can do with these hands. Look, you can paint your nails. <laughs> I feel oh, like man. you can accessorize. Accessorize. Oh my god. Put a um, ring on it. Well, or a you can use your fingers for math. <laughs> you can count on them. <laughs> There's an overlap yeah. into another field of study. Right. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Any yeah. multiple of nine underneath a hundred. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was, I was going to just point back to Shannon talking about the narratives. And um, I wanted to say that for people listening that don't know, Shannon was – the catalyst for me in bringing me back into a deeper awareness of the need to honor my body (laughs) because of the work that she does. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I probably, I mean, I don't even know where I would be right now health wise had I not even had that first encounter with Shannon. And, um, you and I were talking Shannon recently and you were even bringing up this whole thing around like the narrative of like where people are. Cause I'm, even though you're doing work that's centered around, um, the body in a way, and I, I know I'm going to, I want you to actually explain what it is that you do for people to know, but you see this even in what you do. And it was bringing up to me a couple years ago when we were faced with all of this, uh, virus business and, I remember sharing something on social media, really questioning things that had been presented and sharing someone else who was questioning the narrative and just giving a point of like reflection. And I had someone that I know get online who is a doctor (laughs) and she began to, you know, tell me, well, there's this other side to the story and you need to look at this and you need to look at that and you need to question everything and you need to do. And I'm like, I am questioning everything. That's why I'm sharing what I'm sharing. And she's like, yeah, but you're sharing from your own bias. What you're, what you're doing is called confirmation bias. And I said, and so how is what you're doing any different than that? You have your own confirmation bias that you're attempting to win me over to. So pot kettle, what are we talking about here? You know? And it was like you and I, Shannon, having that conversation 
made me think of that interaction um, on social media a couple of years ago. Cause I was like, it's so funny how people are so quick to be like, well, that's just this. And that's just that. But what I have to say, or what I know is actually more informed or, or they're attempting to be more informed in some weird way. Anyway, I just wanted to bring it to that because I was curious about like your experience around it and stuff. Yeah. I and the work so that much. you do. I have so much. And really specifically in work with the body is what we find is that everybody's calcified, right? Um, and you have people taking calcium supplements, probably listening to this um, podcast, calcium and vitamin D and all the things that calcify us further. But if we just think about calcification in terms of what it, of what it does, right? It's, we're talking about something that is hardening our soft tissues. That's what it is. So if we're thinking about um, hardening our soft tissues, hardening our cells, hardening even our nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. So that things that are in there become hardened, become stuck in there so that we can't even take in anything new. We have a hard time even opening ourselves up to looking at something or experiencing something from a different perspective. So that's like even just taking body stuff and turning it, Mm. you know, around on everything that happens on a physical level. And then that, that, expands out. Like it, it doesn't just stay in its little compartment. It changes the way that we're able to look at things and process information. Mm-hmm. So that doctor, That's like so confirmation bias, absolutely true for all of us. And if we don't acknowledge that it exists in all of us, then we're, we're off the mark no matter what. I totally have confirmation bias mm-hmm. about all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Yeah, me yeah. too. So, I mean, I don't know if that if that is helpful, if that's what you were asking, yeah. if that's the question. But that for me is like a, such a big thing that I see in all of us. Like calcification is epidemic in the physical body. And the way that it mm. translates to our our beliefs is absolutely bananas. It's just, it's wow. absolutely bananas. And you see that. Mm. You see it with older people, right? When they're like, can't teach an old dog new tricks. Mm, you can if they're not calcified. Like, but once we get into that kind of state, it does become harder and harder to do that. Um, so that's interesting because they say things that are um, unchangeable. They say that they're written in stone. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. that's so cool. That's so wild. Mm-hmm. It's powerful because we just um, we just taught last night a class, but we made a connection between like how embodiment is directly related to memory is directly related to timelines mm-hmm. uh, and timeline work. And this makes so much sense to what you're saying. Um, because, you know, dropping the compartment, you see that stuckness in the body at all different levels. I mean, talking about different systems in their groups and then down to the cellular and even into the molecular makeup of them. And if those things are stuck and you're trying to do quote unquote spiritual work, I mean, cause at the mm-hmm. core, what, what you're saying, Shannon, and, and kind of what I I'm totally agreeing with and saying back is everything can be spiritual if we drop the compartments and then mm-hmm. everything that's spiritual is also kind of in the physical too. And it, it all has an anchor point in a relation. Um, but yeah, it makes sense. Like if somebody's trying to deal with a, sort of a family trauma or a childhood trauma or some sort of dysfunctional pattern, it could actually be directly related to their ability to be free in their calcification, mm-hmm. for example. 
Right. Which to me, like the quote that Danica um, shared about Irene Lyon, that whole situation to me, then if like both you guys were talking about context, if we open up the context and we look at the nervous system, then from this lens, right, like the potential for calcification or the potential for deficiency and just in the body, not having the minerals or not having the things that you need for the body to run properly, that absolutely contributes to nervous system dysfunction. Um, And so if we look at all of those things, is it all interconnected? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So would nervous system regulation in context of all of these other things, would that potentially equal this ability to, um, you know, further our enlightenment or our expansion? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was kind of the context that I was in when, or that I was seeing whenever I shared it anyway, because to me, the physical is the foundation of multidimensional well-being. And when I say multidimensional well-being, I'm talking about all these other dimensions of the self the physical, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, um, all of these dimensions having to um, integrate into one another and like basically oscillate, you know, through one another. And um, we can't compartmentalize just, this is everything that we've been saying since, since the genesis of this podcast, I feel like. It's like we can't compartmentalize and fracture these things away from one another. They have to work together. Mm-hmm. And nervous system work, sorry, I've got a, some mocos hanging up my nose. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, nervous system work is, uh, I feel like that is... Well, the physical body and the stuff that you do, Shannon, like if your physical body is in pain or it's not functioning, it's going to be a lot harder for you to yeah, you won't regulate emotion, your nervous system. Have, right. Well, that not, <laughs> that and you won't be able to regulate and manage your emotions. You won't be able to regulate In which case you won't regulate your right. nervous system. And which, like, right. All, exactly. That's, that's what it is. I think people get caught up in like all of this. What is the nervous system? The nervous system is a relay system between your external world and your internal world and back mm-hmm. and forth between the two. That's it. And so can anything cause that to go haywire? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So if mm-hmm. you're not looking at all of the different you know, external inputs and, you know, all of that, you're, you're going to, you're missing it. You're not, you can't regulate that way. Exactly. And what I was going to just add on to that is like when people are, their bodies are not functioning properly, it's difficult for them to be in their bodies, you know? And so if we look at it from an embodiment standpoint, if people aren't getting into their bodies, they can't have a spiritual uh, experience, right? Because that is how we know the self and how we know God. So it really does. It, it, it all makes sense. Like in the full scope of everything, it all comes together. It's yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I shared that, that was like the context that I was seeing and was it oversimplified? Sure. And to me, it, it still made sense and was and still very not, valid. And not oversimplified all at the same time. If you understand the context of what nervous system regulation is, what it requires, what it really looks like, I don't think it's oversimplification at all. I think it that makes perfect sense if you know what it means. Well, I do too. And here's the thing. Why do we even care if something is oversimplified? Hello? That's what we're attempting to come back to. The simplification (laughs) of the freaking truth. That's what I was thinking. The truth is simple. So that's Mm -hmm. the problem. That is one of our biggest problems is making everything so damn complicated Mm -hmm. that it's hard for us to do simple things like 
get in tune with our body, like nourish ourselves, like understand how our system works. You know, like these are, these are foundational. This, the fact that we're the age that we are right now, and I'm talking about every single one of us sitting here in this space, and we're having conversations around things that are actually fundamental Mm-hmm. to our existence right. Right. and we're just now discovering the depths of them or the intricacies of them or how they work and how they move lets you know we have been bombarded with complication our whole life mm-hmm. yeah. so what if we just stopped getting pissed when people simplified shit for us mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well it's just I, what you said jody we've just been fucking played because as humans we need to know how to be humans right it's like Hello. Right. We're the only species on the planet, right? That we we require books to teach us how to raise our kids and what to eat and how to do things. And it is, it's because we have been been completely bombarded with bullshit. Like from the start, from the start. We've been taken out of nature. We've been taken out of the ecosystem that actually (laughs) makes us part of nature. And Mm -hmm. so we don't even fucking know how to exist on this planet anymore without a fucking manual. Right. Well, and then, or a glossary of some sort, and then we are trying to achieve this connection with God by being completely dissociated from ourselves when the answer to a deepening of relationship with God, with the created source of life, that, that essence, that spark, actually is being in our body. Like we can't get there any other way. We're not going to get there, you know, moving into the 98th dimension in our meditation. Like, no, you're going to have to get back down to earth in your body because it's actually our humanity that gives us access to the depths of knowing who and what God is. It's through our humanity. Mm -hmm. That's what makes us unique. You know, people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, I want to go on a I want to go on a freaking journey and, you know, take some kind of something to alter the chemistry in my brain so that I can trip out hard and find God. And it's like, well, you're going to have to go within. Yeah. That's, that's usually, um, well, that's been my experience I'll say. And I think my experience with Jody as well. Um, but my experience in pretty much all of my relationships and friendships is like the more we come to understand something, it gets really simple. It gets super easy. I mean, even if you're not talking about something spiritual, if you really understand something, you're going to have to use a lot less words to get your point across. <laughs> I mean, there are things that are so understood between two people that you don't even have to use words. It's literally that simple. It's literally that known and understood, and there's nothing wrong with that. And Einstein said, "If you, when you truly understand a subject, you can explain it to a Mm five-year-old. That's how you know. (laughs) And that's his uh, opinion, but I agree with that opinion. And I remember that often whenever I think that I've really got something understood and I look at how I just explained it to this person and it took 30 minutes and I freaking went into all these different details. I'm like, no way a five-year-old could understand that. (laughs) It's uh, whenever you can really put it in into context for them who those who don't have context and you can with very few words put it into context by um i mean we see this with the story of jesus and the parables those stories are so simple and relatable but this is the point is 
everything that's being shared within them is what's being shared. And it's coming through in this way that's just like, well, teach a teach a man to fish uh, and you feed him for a lifetime. You know, it's just like catch a fish for a man, you feed him for a day and teach him to fish. And, it, you know, that, that simple thing that's just like, whoa, okay. <laughs> but how do you it's, get there? That's the thing. This is the thing that I, like, I love what you're saying. I totally agree with it. This is where people get lost. People just want to know the answer and you get there by trial and error. You get to that place of being able to explain something to a five-year-old by doing it and doing it wrong a thousand times. You know what I mean? You learn how to communicate with your partner through tons of trial and error as far as miscommunication. Mm -hmm. Like, whoa, I cannot speak to that person in that way because that shit gets shut down. Like, okay. And then you come at it differently next time. And then by the time you get there, it's like, aha, okay, that's enlightenment. That is exactly exactly that process is that trial and error. I lived it. This is how I walked through it kind of situation. I love that book. Embodied wisdom. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, a famous, it's not famous. I'm just kidding. Most people don't know it, but it's a scripture that I'm very familiar with. And it says, you know, um, to get understanding. It's in the book, uh, Solomon wrote it. It says to get understanding and in getting understanding, understanding, um, that wisdom is your ultimate goal. And wisdom is something that I've always said is like the thing that you gain because of your experience. Mm -hmm. You know, you can understand a thing, right? Like somebody could teach it to you and you're like, Oh, I get that. I get that. But the wisdom comes whenever you've actually walked through the experience of it Mm -hmm. and you've applied it to your life over and over Mm -hmm. and over again. So I totally agree with what you're saying, Shannon. It's like, Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean a damn thing if all you do is try to gain the understanding of it Mm -hmm. and then go talk about it until Mm -hmm. you've had some experience with it, you know? Mm -hmm. That's where the wisdom comes in. What's the difference between theory and practicum? Everyone wants the theory, but they don't want to actually put the theory into practice. Because you might be wrong, and that's scary. Right, being wrong, (laughs) getting it wrong, doing it wrong is scary. That's the yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to be wrong. Right. Nobody wants to do the wrong spirituality either. <laughs> somebody, um, somebody actually put that in uh, a question, like whenever I posted in my stories, and I was like, "What are you afraid of?" And um, somebody actually did write, "I'm afraid of taking the wrong path with spirituality." Hmm. I was like, "Damn." I felt that. I understand because I think mm-hmm. I felt like it when I first, when I first like took big old step back from Christianity. The, of course, there's a fear, right? Because that's fire insurance. God is fire insurance in Christianity, and that is it. And it's like, oh gosh, I just lost my fire insurance. Like, if I'm wrong about all this, I'm going straight to hell. Like, it's over. <laughs> but the thing is, is like you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is a fear there, and yeah, and I feel it. And, and when when that person posted that in in my stories, I was like, damn. I was like, yeah. Nobody wants to take the wrong path, but it's like we do because, <laughs> I mean, the first like I don't know, like five or six episodes of this podcast was us talking about course correcting <laughs> with our spirituality, hmm. you know, because we do we take wrong turns all the time. And we're supposed mm-hmm. to. I think that's a thing yeah. too, right? Is that again with the trial and error and the ability to, um, you know, expand and connect. We that's that's part of the path. And I think instead of being afraid mm-hmm. of it, we we should embrace it. Mm-hmm. I say to myself more than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Well, I think too, like what Bo said is like, as you move into deeper spaces of awareness, of enlightenment, you do come back to the place, Shannon, that you were saying as well. Like you start to realize it's all connected. It's all, it's all same, same, you know, like you can't talk about one without talking about the other, you know? Um, and I think I had said this to you at one point, Shannon, because people were like, because people get so compartmentalized and I understand that there's value in like focusing on an area, you know, in terms of healing, but those things, um, you know, whether it's nourishing your body or, you know, regulating your nervous system or deepening your connection to God or whatever it is, whatever door you open should always open up those other doors to you as well. Because they're so connected, you really can't have one without having the other. You can't just talk about one and never talk about the others because they all work together. You know, it's like what we're saying here in this, in this um, space. And I think you and I were talking about that one time. I was like, it doesn't matter which door you open. At some point, you're going to have to go into the other doors too. Because Danica, you're saying like, we are these multidimensional beings. We have all of these layers and all of these things that are making us who we are, whether it's our emotional, you know, state or our mental state, our physical state, our spiritual state, you know, all these things. And they are so connected. It's, it's in fracturing them and making them Mm -hmm. be super separate and people going, you know, I'm just going to focus on my physical right now. That's what I'm going to do. It's like, great. That's a great place to start. But guess what? If you really get in there and you really Mm -hmm. start doing that, it's going to lead you to the other places too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because we take a holistic stance or more people are beginning to take a holistic stance with their health. And what if we took a holistic stance with our entire existence? Well, and, and you're mm-hmm. saying that people are taking a holistic stance with their health. And I think even like that- Like physical health, I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Physical health. Mm-hmm. And even that is like, in, in ways that I've seen people describe that, I'm not saying everybody does this, but in ways I've seen people describe it, it's like, I'm going to do this version of um, healing myself versus the westernized you know, medical mm-hmm. version. That's what they're looking at when they're calling holistic health, mm-hmm. um, physical health even, you know? But it, the word says it all. If it's holistic, it's whole. You know, uh-huh, it's uh-huh. it's the whole enchilada, you know, so to speak. And so I don't. I know that there are plenty of people that do include every aspect whenever they're doing their healing work. But I see it often talked about like holistic, just means I'm using herbs and tinctures uh-huh. to heal my body, as opposed uh-huh. to there's this whole thing about me, you know, I need to look at my mental health. I need to look at my physical health, my emotional health, my spiritual mm-hmm. health. I need to look at all of these facets that make me who mm-hmm. I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that make I the think- whole, the whole human. Yeah. Right. How do I feel inside my own skin? Yes. Mm-hmm. What's so beautiful about this path. Um, and it's a bit just like deep and profound in itself is that no matter where you start, these other aspects of life will start to demand our attention. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. even if we just started on the physical and we weren't trying to do these other things, eventually that would lead to these other things being louder and louder and louder until, you know, we have the capacity or the space or the priority to listen to them. Um, if it is like, and, and it made me think of it because of the whole conversation that we've been having, but babe, like you started talking about eating holistically and then Danica, what you said about living holistically all the way across the board. Um, but even if we started eating 
in a holistic way. It's like, as we do that, we're building a new relationship with the thing that we're actually ingesting and relationship starts to become the, the voice that gets louder and louder and louder. And it will inevitably kind of grab our attention, how we're living in these other ways too. And it, it, it starts the, the snowball effect or it it's like the first domino pretty much no matter where you start, it's eventually going to start to life starts to speak in all of these different ways. And it's not necessarily that it starts to speak in different ways is that we can hear it in the ways that it's been speaking and we're able to listen. And that that's really been my experience is starting with totally spiritual and going straight into the meditation and uh, a little bit of diet stuff and a little bit of like physical movement, but just like stopping my entire life and going directly into the spiritual healing. And then that was three years ago. So within the last 12 months, it's really been, okay, so much more <laughs> information that I wouldn't have considered at first because it didn't feel spiritual to me because it wasn't um, it, it was, it was not an idea. I was so fascinated with the ideas, mm -hmm. concepts, and the concepts of mm -hmm. spirituality and the practice of that, but everything else was like too tangible almost. And so now it was too grounded. It, and when, it was you're, too when grounded you're wounded and, and you don't want to get in your body. Mm -hmm. it's and like, when you're compartmentalized, when you have been, mm -hmm. right. you know, when you haven't dismantled that compartmentalization, because I see that with people all the time in the physical stuff, they're like, Okay, well, I mean, now I'm really focusing on what I'm eating. So now I'm going with an ancestral diet and I'm doing, you know, and it's like all of the, and I'm like, you're still in the narrative, right? You're, I mean, mm -hmm. you're still stuck in this compartment, in this narrative. You're still stuck there. Like, get mm -hmm. out of there. Like, dismantle even that. Ancestral eating, what is that? Let's dismantle that concept. Let's dismantle this other concept. <laughs> and until we do, until we get comfortable with that idea of asking the questions and pulling all the pieces apart, we do exactly like Bo said, like we stay stuck and like the, okay, this is where I'm focused at. This is what yeah. I'm looking at. This is what I'm comfortable, you know, looking at and dealing with. And my, my experience with air quotes, spirituality was actually the opposite of yours, Bo, because mine was, um, when I left the church, I had like, there was no spiritual practice. I was just in... <laughs> I, I was just an idiot. And then whenever I started to um, like really focus on my uh, indigenous heritage and um, really came into a relationship with a movement practice, well, first my indigenous heritage, everything is very tangible and practical in that. So everything that we're doing to connect to the spiritual realm is like through movement or something very tangible, um, singing and stuff like that. And then uh, I came into it through like, my movement practice and, and, and really somatic work and, um, learning about the fascia and trying to heal myself from like on a very physical level. And it wasn't until it got to a point where I was actually overtraining. I was overtraining because that was like, to me, that was my spiritual practice. And it wasn't until the carbon monoxide poisoning event where I actually could not move, where I had to start focusing on other aspects of myself. Um, uh, in more totality, you know what I mean? Like looking at the bigger picture because it's like, yeah, I had like some healing take place obviously, because I thought, I feel like the physical is a foundational place where it can happen. And I was hyper-focused there. And 
that event is actually how I met you, Shannon, because when I started working uh, with you, actually through the recommendation of Jody, um, I started to learn more about my physical body and not just the the movement of it, but like how am I nourishing it in other ways and stuff like that. And I actually had to take time to sit still and not focus on movement, but nourishing the body and focusing on allowing my body to rest. And then looking at other aspects of um, myself and not just the physical, like like how is my emotional health and how is my mental health and all of this other stuff? Because at first it was just all physical. And if I was um, like, if I was in a bad mood, I unrolled my mat and I took it out on the mat. You know what I mean? Like I never actually would reflect on why am I feeling that way? How does it feel in my body? I would be like, okay, well we have to change it. I'm going to move. And it was all movement based, which was, you know, it was good, but it wasn't all good. Because <laughs> it was bypassing because you were bypassing. Right. It really was. And maybe a lot of it too was because, and no, I mean, no judgment about that because your body may not have even been in a state where energy wise. And so then we're talking nourishment. We're talking about, you mm-hmm. know, stuff on a cellular level there. You just didn't have any gas in the tank. So you were literally doing the only thing that you could do um, in order to, to kind of get through that situation in that way at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong, you know, with where I was at the time, because I think that was all that I was capable of doing, mm-hmm. you know, I saw something um, just the other day, somebody posting some things about uh, if your nervous system is dysregulated, here are some signs to know. And one of the slides had somebody that was multitasking and was like busy doing all these things um, to keep themselves occupied. And I felt so called out in that moment because I was like, this is literally how I've lived my whole life. And so, no, mine wasn't physical, Danica, like what you're explaining of like that, Mm -hmm. that practice of like, I have to like move this energy through my body in this way. Like I have to move my body Mm -hmm. in this way because this is how I have to process this energy. Mine was being busy, busy, busy all the time, all the time being busy, always something going on, saying yes to every freaking thing that came up. I was going to make time, make it happen, make it happen, make it happen. That was like literally my motto. So just so interesting, Mm -hmm. you know, to consider that that was actually part of my system attempting to escape. <laughs> it's like, well, I tell no you to help you. I mean, really yeah. like that's the, that's the thing. It's taking the input that says like, Oh, like we you know whatever the message is like, okay, we're not good enough. We have to, we have to try more. We have to do more. Mm-hmm. We have to be more, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And your and your, you know, your nervous system taking in that information and then your brain going, oh, okay, cool. Let's just go a thousand miles an hour. We got this. we'll do it. I got your back. Yeah. Now I've like swung the pendulum and Shannon's going to laugh when I say this, but it's like, now I'm like, can I just stay in bed for five more hours? Five more hours. Can you give me five more hours? I know I had all night, but can I just get five more hours? You know, it's like getting invitations to go do this. No, no, I can't go. No. I I know we were going to do 10 things today, but can we just do one? (laughs) And we freaking do it. We make that Bo, shit happen. Now. Bo watched me have a five-year-old moment in the car yesterday because something got put on our calendar in the middle of us talking. We had somebody um, 
schedule a session, which he already knew was going to happen, but I didn't know. And it like popped up on my phone and uh, I literally did like a wet noodle in the seat. I, I was like, oh my that. God. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we were looking forward to a, a week of nothing oh, so on the funny. calendar or very little on the calendar. Yeah, this from the girl who used to fill every day full of everything and I would just be busy non-stop. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what healing so, looks like. Yeah. <laughs> it's something I can tell you right now. He literally was like, <laughs> he's so like, he calls it like being sunned. It was like, he was like, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through it. We can do this. <laughs> I was I said, like, look, we're capable of handling this. <laughs> we can totally handle this. And then I realized it's just for him. It wasn't me. I didn't even have to be there. I was like, oh, okay, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> yeah, have to show it was up. an event for, for me. This is for Bo. This is not for me. So it's just hysterical to to witness and to be in these new spaces. Um that's one of the things I love so much about this podcast and about the conversations that we get to have is like all of the unpacking and it's almost cathartic to get to sit and have conversation around. Yeah. You know what? And I just don't feel that way anymore or whatever, you know, and just like completely unpacking whatever it was that we thought that we knew and um, recognizing it and being like, yeah, and I see something different now or or, this is my experience now. And truly it, it is like a a remedy all its own for me anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Having these conversations have been really helpful for me because I definitely was one of those people who was looking for the, this is going to be the thing. This is going to be the thing that makes me a whole, complete, amazing, fabulous human. Like, this is it. And so having these conversations and just, you know, over the last, I don't know, like two years probably, just getting to a place where I'm like, no, just being human and bringing all my awareness into this body and into this space and into all of that, that is that that's all, that's all, that's all I have to do. That's Mm -hmm. it. Bringing that, having that relationship with God, having that, you know, cultivating that relationship with myself, with God, with other people is like, you know, kind of the overflow of that. That's it. That's the, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shannon, I want to direct a little bit of conversation your way. And I I feel like you've told me in the past that you don't like the question, how would you describe what you do? Or I don't know if you have, (laughs) I know that that's sometimes a hard question to um, answer. And if you feel like it, of course, that question's on the table. Um, But what I'd really like to ask, I guess to simplify it is, what is something that you would say has really been firing you up lately? And something that you've been getting really excited about in your work, uh, I guess recently, um, or anything that you would like to share about what you've been doing with people, with yourself regarding what you've been studying or working on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, what I do, that's always, that's just such a weird, I'm like, it's just sounds so weird if I'm like, okay, so I ask the body questions and then I wait for it to tell me the answers and that's it. (laughs) Like that, I mean, I don't know another way to say it. That's all. Um, (laughs) I ask questions. It gives answers, sometimes really crazy kind of off the wall, where in the world did that come from kind of things. And sometimes pretty standard things. Um, 
so much so with the standard things that, you know, I started studying a long time ago and kind of looking like, okay, people's bodies, a lot of them say the same thing. Like, yeah, we're all, we're all different and there's nuance and all of that with everybody, but there's so many things where it's like, okay, like most people need this thing. Like this is Mm -hmm. a, this isn't across the board. Um, but so that, but then I think the thing that's been firing me up lately, and I think you guys know this, we've talked about the whole pro, um, the whole thing of like, um, it's called German new medicine. And so I started studying this a few months ago, um, just kind of playing with it um, and just kind of seeing like, how does this line up? Because I heard of it a long time ago and I always just kind of thought, okay, that doesn't, that's, that's not in alignment with what I do. Right. I, I asked the body and the body says, you need copper or you need whatever. <laughs> um, and, and so I'm like, okay, so that's not, that's not really in alignment with what I do. And then I started looking into it, you know, just more and more about different things because a lot of people's bodies are talking to me about a lot of really emotional stuff. And I think I tend to be one of those people who's like, okay, <laughs> yay, <laughs> we're feeling this way. Your body says this, there you go. Like, you know, go have a session with somebody or <laughs> go sit with that or, you know, whatever. And so instead I started really kind of digging into and what German new medicine is about is about these kind of internal conflicts that can happen. Well, internal, external, whatever, something happens on the external and then the body kind of looks at that situation and goes, Oh, I can help you with that. I can fix that. And because the body is physical, the body takes physical steps to solve not only our physical issues, but also our, our emotional ones, our spiritual ones, right? Things like abandonment, if we're, or if we're feeling anger, conflict, if we're whatever those things, the body goes, oh, I can help with that. And that, that's kind of the root of all disease. And when I started looking at it through that lens and kind of looking at, well, that makes sense that the things that the body tells me, like I need more of this in order to have the energy to deal with this thing, whatever this thing is over here and how that changes a little bit for everybody. We have, you know, the needs across the board as humans, but then it's like, well, this person might need extra this because this is the conflict that they're dealing with. And this is how their body's responding to that issue, Mm -hmm. that situation. Mm -hmm. And so just being able to really look and again, get out of my own compartmentalization about, oh, we only, I only look at the body and these minerals and this situation. And instead (laughs) going into this more expansive, connected way of looking at things has been, um, I don't like just kind of life changing just for me, for the people I work with, like being able to look at something and be like, Oh my gosh, this is this, Mm -hmm. this is why I'm, I've kind of been experiencing this symptom and this thing. And then even just for me being able to kind of help people just walk through that, um, is new for me, like in that way, Mm -hmm. like, okay, now we can look at, you know, what does a resolution for this look like? Or, or if, if we can't resolve it, what is mitigating this for me start to look like? Mm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I I think your work in and of itself transcends compartmentalization because it is kind of that intersection between intuitive work and like what we would call like medicine. And to me, this is like spiritual medicine. You know what I mean? Something like that. But it's like when I tell people about working with you and (laughs) they they like want to work with you, they go to your website and then they're like, Hey, is this the right website? Uh, And I'm like, yeah. So listen, she's like a psychic kind of, but you know, and I'm trying to explain it to like, people who are not familiar with the work, right? Or or even the work that I do, you know? And I'm like, and also like a nutritionist, dietitian, you know, but 
<laughs> but I can tell you that she's very accurate and she's changed, you know, she's helped me to change my life. And it's almost like it doesn't compute. They're like, what is this? What do you mean? She's like a psychic nutritionist. What does this mean? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because these things actually like go together. She can communicate with your physical body. Your body is intelligent and intuitive, right? And it's telling her because you're not listening to it. You know, you don't know what it needs. And you think somebody who's disconnected from themselves and uh, only going to prescribe you like pharmaceuticals can connect to your body and tell you what it needs. No, it's like your body's intelligent. It's trying to co- find coherence to connect with someone so that it can tell you what the fuck it needs. And it's going to talk to her and she's going to tell you what it needs because you're not listening to it. Right. Because that's what <laughs> symptoms are. And everyone, right. Like, everyone comes to me, you know, I, most of the people who come to me have symptoms of some sort and they're like, I just, and yeah, I just want to get rid of the symptom. And I'm like, Ooh, no, 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 no. That's you're that's like telling, you know, the person who's trying to, you know, get you out of a bad situation. Hey, shut up, shut up, shut up. We don't want to tell the person who's trying to pull us out of the fire to get off us and shut up. But that's what we do every single time we try to shut a symptom down. Cause that's the body's mm-hmm. way of trying to communicate with you. It's like, hello, mm-hmm. I need help over here. Um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I I do though. I ask questions and sometimes it goes beyond whatever symptom that they're having where it's like, oh, okay, your body's now like on complete fire because of <laughs> this symptom is like that your body literally just lighting itself up being like, help. Um, and we kind of have to go beyond that and just say, okay, what's the root? What is this thing? What do we need? Mm-hmm. What do you need? That's the, that's the question I ask the body like more than anything. What do you need right now? Mm-hmm. What do you need? Mm-hmm. I, I want to speak to this really quick because um, having conversations with you, Shannon, there's been things that I've brought to you before about my own situation and like, oh, I'm just working through this thing or that thing. And she, and you'll be like, um, that sounds like this kind of conflict going on in the body, or that sounds like this kind of thing trying to work itself out. And it was a conversation we had a few weeks ago, actually. Um, and I'm saying this because it is, again, coming back to that place where it's like the work that you do, while it sounds like, well, she talks to the body and the body says, this is what it needs. And so it's like, she's addressing, you know, deficiency and she's addressing emotional stuff coming up. But that whole process of the conversation I had with you not long ago literally walked me all the way back down into some very deep psychological and emotional release Mm -hmm. in that conversation. And it was like, I had a whole thing come up around something that was four years old. And it was simply through just having the conversation with Shannon about what my body was expressing. (laughs) And I had like a whole moment, like I had a whole self development workshop in a two hour conversation. (laughs) I unpacked all these things. I had a a freaking epiphany. I had some enlightenment about something that had happened to me and something I I had completely not even understood it at the time. And just in that conversation with you and you kind of being like, oh, this is what is going on. And then I was like, oh my God, and that's connected to this and this and this and this. And so anyway, I want to say that too, because it is so much more than just you being like, well, what is your body saying right now? Of course- at the level that people are willing to go into those places and spaces, I don't think that you probably have every session you do like that. But for people whose bodies are open and like they're willing to process a little more, I know for me, it was profound. It was absolutely like one of those little pivot moments where I was like, oh my God, that just changed so much. And I started having a lot of release internally around that one 
moment of conversation and stuff. So I don't even think we talked about minerals or anything. I think it was just more like, oh, this is what the body is attempting to remedy. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I wanted to say that. Yeah. And because I, sometimes I, when you have, sorry, but I did not mean to cut you off. That's okay. Go ahead. But sometimes when you, when your body has what it needs and stuff mineral wise, that's when you become open and available to be able to do that deeper kind of healing, right? Again, it's back to the, if you're deficient in something, your body doesn't have the energy. Your, your cells are literally not making the energy mm-hmm. that you have to have in order to process through things. And so they do sometimes, mm-hmm. they ha- it has to stay on the back burner, has to stay there because the body's like, I'd love to help, but I can't, I can't do anything because I'm, you know, I'm deficient over here. But so when you Mm -hmm. have what you need to, then that makes the rest of your work um, deeper in that way. So powerful. Mm -hmm. So powerful. Yeah. I have a, um, actually a recent development um, following a session with you, Shannon, (laughs) that was actually a tandem session between me and Jody. Um, and Jody and I have been working with Shannon, I think Jody a little bit longer for about a year. And I, I think it was maybe six months ago if I had to give it a, a time frame. But we we were in a tandem session, and it was going to be, you know, Shannon was talking to Jody, and then I was kind of just listening in. And Shannon, you went, "Hey, Bo, do you have things going on with your mouth?" it feels like there's something going on with your teeth. And I was kind of blown away um, because of the intuitive ability. But yes, absolutely. I have a, a, a bad tooth and I have a few bad teeth. I've had a ton of work done on my mouth and we didn't have as much information around this as we do now. But in that moment, it was like the message came through that was like, there's a, a major trauma that's being stored right there in your mouth. Um, And you didn't really know the ins and outs of what I had gone through in my life around my mouth. But it was that moment that was just like, hey, um, there's something there waiting for you uh, to to kind of hear it, to listen to it. And and through inner child work, I kind of knew, okay, you know, I kind of know what that means. Um, I know how to listen. But it wasn't until I started to work to remineralize my teeth um, and remineralize my body to kind of give my body certain things that it needs exactly like what we've been talking about uh, months later I'm starting to have tooth pain and um, psychologically it's taken a lot of healing for me to actually get some direct help with my teeth going to somebody to look at my mouth it's been over 10 years so um, just through the journey of healing had all kinds of pain starting to come up and so I went in the shower, I sat down, and I was just like asking my body. Um, and I have inflammation on my scalp too, so it really started there. But it, it, it was directly coming from something going on in my mouth. And I was like, "What? what's going on? I started to ask and feel. And I stuck my finger inside my mouth on my gums above my teeth. And I started to really gently just like feel and ask my teeth like, you know, what's going on? Is there something that you need to share with me? Is there something that you need to tell me? And dude, I started to have a flood right above when my finger got right above that bad tooth. I started to have a flood of visions, a flood of memories. And I'm a very visual person. Um, and we use that a lot in, in our healing work, but I started to have visions, memories, um, the classic moving through a wormhole moment. 
where it's just like you have the lifetime of emotional experiences and details and context and people, places, things that kind of flash before your eyes while you let something go. Um, and it, it was around something in my childhood and it was not only something that I had experienced, but I had internalized the experience and started to perpetuate it externally in these different ways. And it was painful. It was a trauma. And, um, you know, I, I was able to, to kind of hold space for myself while I was releasing, but I came out of the shower and I was emotional. And I told Jody, I was like, babe, this is coming up for me. I don't even know what this is going to mean. And the next day I had just above that tooth, not even in the rest of my mouth, because I was really kind of just feeling everywhere inside of my mouth, but right above that bad tooth on the gum line, I started to have all kinds of inflammation the next day. Almost like my body was like pushing it out. Mm -hmm. It felt like it was coming. It was healing. Mm -hmm. And and then I, I developed an ulcer on my gum and then it went away in like three days. And I have a dentist appointment actually today <laughs> to get this all looked at. But it took about three days emotionally. And we talked about it earlier is whenever – Danica, you were saying it. Whenever the body's in physical pain or you have something going on, it's like you can't be yourself fully. You know, it's hard to feel God sometimes. It's hard to like have those conversations, hard to be in your body because there's pain. And that's kind of what it was like. I had tension all in my jaw, my neck, my shoulder from just freaking feeling around and being like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> and I wasn't like being aggressive with myself. I was just holding space and like letting my body know, hey, I'm here doing all the spiritual things, <laughs> you know, all of the things that were like ideas and inner child reparenting, all that stuff. But because I've been giving my body certain things that it may be needing, like for my gums and my teeth, it was ready to let it out. And that was very profound because it came with the things that I've only experienced in spiritual practice or what I would dub quote unquote spiritual practice. And it came from this very tangible thing that I've been working on for a few months and finally released. And there may be more, but I'm going to get the tooth out. It's a bad, it's a bad tooth. I'm experiencing nerve pain. That's really what it is. But this is all connected to the nervous system work that I've been doing as well because it started to really illuminate where in my nervous system, the teeth directly connected to that, there's this conflict is going on or this inability to kind of regulate itself or relax. And so I, I wanted to share that little update here with you because that's really the initial point. I knew there was issues with my mouth, but for someone to assist me and say, you know, there's actually a memory here. There's a, there's a conflict here. There's something that your mouth has been storing inside of it. And this is why you've been having these issues and to address the physical issues to support my body. I start to see the conflict be resolved at a psychological level. And a physical so, level, once you get the tooth out, then it's like, that's kind of the culmination of that healing kind of process is like removing the thing um, that died along the way, basically, mm -hmm. like that's, you know, a pruning of sorts, like you prune plants, it's kind of that sometimes right. in that same way. Yeah, dude, who knows, once I get this tooth out, maybe my scalp will clear up. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's just amazing. So I, I kind of um, put the ball in your court because for anybody um, listening who has experienced some of Shannon's work, um, maybe you've seen some of some of the same results or maybe you've 
gathered some of the same support. We'll put it that way and not so much even focus on the results, but the support in the space that Shannon holds is just absolutely incredible. And um, the friendship, I'll, I'll say personally to you, has just been so validating and fulfilling. Mm-hmm. You know, it really, it really fills a space of friendship and, and bonding and relationship that um, I know for Jody and myself, has, we've been really craving that. So um, our relationship with you was one of the first places that we really have seen a lot of sustainable uh, communication and healing communication. And we've talked about it with Danica as well, but um, it's no wonder, you know, we all find ourselves here in the same space again. <laughs> uh, Cause we share space with a lot of different people, but we come back to this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that that's really all I have. I, I thank you for your friendship and I thank you for everything that you have done for this community. Mm-hmm. Um, and the inspiring walk and, and the things that you continue to choose to share and the way that you share them. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. I think you guys are magic too. All three of you. <laughs> so do we have anything else? I did. I actually was thinking about this because we, we started to touch on it and then we kind of uh, stopped and kind of skimmed over it. But the conversation around like God not being a personality or a character mm-hmm. because that um, Jody, you shared something in your stories recently uh, <laughs> that I, that I felt was, I mean, it was big. It was, and it was really good, but you, you basically were saying, do you want, do you want to say what you were saying instead of me paraphrasing <laughs> it? <laughs> I don't feel like yeah, I need I to probably- paraphrase paraphrase you you're right here well i probably have to paraphrase myself because i don't even remember exactly how i typed it but it was really just essentially that you know that god is pure principle you know um and i, I think it is it was coming from a place where i'm having conversations with people constantly and the work that Bo and I do is all around relationships specifically relationship with god with ourselves with god like deepening that connection but i know that um, in my own journey. So I'm having to speak from my own experience. This is not about other people really. It's about my own process of coming home in that relationship. There was a need initially for God to be personified, you know, mm-hmm. for this, especially in the spiritual community, people are like, Holy mother, Holy father, Holy mother, Holy father. We have to include both aspects and, and the, <laughs> all of this. Well, and then, you know, it's like, well, as you really deepen that awareness, you understand that God is the all. God is the totality of it. Mm -hmm. God is both the creator and the creation. You know, God encompasses the whole thing because God is principle, not a person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in our humanness um, and in the way that we've been groomed here since our inception, we want to characterize things. We need to personify things so that we can better relate to them because Mm -hmm. we believe that all relationship is centered solely around physical um, Mm -hmm. interaction, right? Mm -hmm. And so we need to personify God so that we can make God tangible to us. Mm -hmm. And the trouble with it is that then in our need to personify God is that we then um, bring God down to our human level. And then we treat God the way we believe God treats us because of our relationship to other human beings. Mm. And so Mm. we limit God in that way. And I did, I just said like, you know, if, if you, 
because there is a need initially in coming and repairing that relationship, there can be a childlike need to personify God. But God is beyond personification. God is not a being. God is not a character. Mm -hmm. And when we mature and as we mature, we begin to understand the bigness of God and the fact that we really cannot define God completely. I mean, we can use words to point to our idea of God, but to really like box God in and be like, and this is all that God is, you know, is like, Mm -hmm. it's very challenging to do that. So I was really just saying, you know, if you still find yourself needing to personify God, it's simply an indication of where you are in your healing process. And as you walk through the process, your understanding of God will grow. Mm -hmm. You will grow up in your understanding of God, you know? Mm -hmm. And I didn't have anybody necessarily give me any pushback on that. Um, But I know, Danica, you had some, Mm -hmm. you had some comment, you know, Mm -hmm. comments made. Yeah. I reshared it because obviously I, I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) And I got, I got a lot of um, mixed responses on it. Some of them were accusatory, like uh, basically how dare you assume that you even know what God is. And then, you know, then some of them, (laughs) Ah, that makes me laugh. Yeah. And then some of them were kind of like, this feels right. And yet I still don't understand it. And, um, I know that as the programming begins to dismantle, I'll probably understand it better, but this feels accurate. Um, so it ranged anywhere between those two, uh, extremes of the spectrum. Right. And I, and I got quite a few responses on it. And the only thing that I really like broke down with someone is like, you know, I would argue perhaps not even argue. I would, I would say perhaps that, that God would be a being only because being implies aliveness and not that it's a, like an entity or a being or a character. Like, I understand what you're saying whenever you say God's not a being. It's like, yes, obviously God's not a being like that, but because God is like, an intelligence. It's a consciousness. It is a living aspect. Like it's a living principle. And the word being implies aliveness. And that Mm. would be like the only thing that I would have been like, because the person that I was talking to about that was kind of confused. Like, is God, what does this mean? Is God not alive if God's just a principle? And I'm like, no, I would say, yeah, you know, perhaps God's a being, (laughs) you know, but not like, not like a being, like you're a being or I'm a being. You know, or we we have these this physical confine that creates like our being in a container. You know what I mean? And that right there, that right there, like literally that question, somebody bringing that question again is just the challenge coming up within them of going, Mm -hmm. oh fuck, I have to redefine the paradigm I have around God. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like God is is true life. You know what I mean? God is living principle. And so that's why God cannot be contained in a form of being that literally puts parameters around what it is because, and and yet that principle exists within all things, Mm -hmm. right? So it's it's both things, Mm -hmm. but it's like the reason for having the conversation at all is because I see that um, there's a perpetuation of like even conversations around union, right? So let, that's like a huge one. People wanting to have conversations around union, divine union, da, da, da. It's like, well, union is principle. Mm-hmm. 
Union is not the external because that's what gets focused on so much. It's like, how can we understand each other better? You know, the woman is this to the man and the man is this to the woman and da, 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 da. It's like, we're still missing the mark. We are mm-hmm. still so missing the mark. And I saw somebody post something <clears throat> having to do with the Holy Mother and the Holy Father and the relationship between the two that was so like, I was looking, I was like, no, 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 no. We're still misunderstanding what's going on here. This is very humanistic to mm-hmm. personify them in this way and say, this one does this for this thing. And this one does this for this thing is like, okay, we're still misunderstanding what's actually mm-hmm. going on here because the mother and the father are principles, which mm-hmm. means they have attributes. They have an essential nature and they mm-hmm. have something that they bring forward and that when they're unified, creation comes forth, you know, but it's because of a mutual mm-hmm. equality here between these two things. They can't, one without the other is complete chaos. Yeah. And know? that they're indivisible. And yeah, yet don't we still try to compartmentalize them to make sense out of them. Right. And people think that they're speaking union when they're saying the Holy Mother, you know, is the one who does this for the Holy Father. And the Holy Father is the one who responds like this. So I was like, no, what are you talking about? You're still reading a book. You're still looking at fantasy comic books. What are you talking about? That's not what God is. God is the principle that is the protective nature, the anchored nature, the the creative aspect. It's like all of these things, but either one of them disconnected from the other and fragmented out is going to lead to all mm-hmm. kinds of uh, mental and emotional fracture within us mm-hmm. as people. So, and this deeper understanding is, you know, I'll be the first to say it. I did an entire course around, around like the, the fracturing of, and I talked about actually the fracturing of the soul and called it the law of gender because that mm-hmm. was the way I was understanding it at the time. And I have a completely new understanding of it now, you know, mm-hmm. understanding that these concepts in wholeness, like are indivisible. They cannot be divided. Oh my right. God. Enlightenment. Oh my God. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. Sorry, you guys, we did it again. <laughs> well, and this is also leading to another conversation, which I don't even know that I want to crack open right now, but I had with Bo and I said, you know, when you start to understand the physics, the actual science of, of the energy of God, you know, of how God works is like religion has always referred to God as him him, him, him. And songs have been written and sung and pointed back to him. And in the spiritual community, there was this huge outcry for all this time about, we have to honor the mother. We have to honor the mother, the mother, the mother, the mother. And then it was holy mother, holy Sophia. mother, holy mother, Sophia, Sophia all of this Sophia, stuff, Sophia. which is an aspect of the wholeness of God. But when you understand the mechanics of what the principle does and how the principle operates, it really does point back to the hymn. And that's because of principle. It's not because of inequality. It is not actually dismissing the feminine aspect of the principle. It's actually because that's what anchors the principle and allows it to be complete. And it's a whole thing. Look, it's. do we want to be canceled today? I don't know. We're probably not going to have this conversation right now. But it's like when you start to look at it and you understand the science behind it, you're like, it does come back to him. Yeah. And even whenever you break down the word Sophia, like 
but it's it, not it's, him in the mat. It's not like a man. It's not like right. that. It's the principle of the word that we use him for, which is the mm-hmm. anchor. It is the grounding. The it structure. is the thing. It's the structure. Yeah, it's the structure, the It's always going to come back to that. The, like the, the body, anchor like how point. we have to have the body for the consciousness in this, right. Right. In this place. That's what, exactly. We're and when, we, po- and when we point to another person, we're pointing at their body. <laughs> you know, it's like we're, yeah, it is the anchor point for their consciousness. Well, Otherwise, their consciousness it. would not be embodied. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's what we're saying. If we want to get on the soapbox of embodiment, what we are pointing back to is the hymn of God. Mm-hmm. Literally, that's the mm-hmm. word that we use in our language. But what we're talking about is the principle mm-hmm. of anchor, the principle of structure and order. It's always going to come back to that. Order doesn't allow chaos to direct its order. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it's uh, going back to like wave mechanics is there's destructive wave interference and there's constructive wave interference. So whenever we look at the masculine or what has been called the Christos or the father principle or uh, usually if somebody has an issue with structure in their life, it we call it a father wound. Uh, if you have an issue regulating your nervous system, usually that is contributing, uh, being contributed to by a father wound. But really what it is is the inability to cultivate safety or to mm-hmm. have a safety net. Mm-hmm which is traditionally what the masculine energy has provided. It's provided the structure, the support, the order, the law, the harmonics, mm-hmm. right? In order for harmonics to interact non-destructively, they have to be governed by harmony itself. They have to be governed by a certain order. They have to interact according to a very specific harmonic cascade, waveform. So we're really looking at uh, the thing that does govern harmony and pointing back to the father as what was always done in biblical reference. There was always reference to the father, Mm -hmm. but there was always reference to order, always reference to law uh, beyond universal law, beyond natural law. We're talking about the true pure principle living law. And it's not always this deep um, esoteric uh, exclusive information. It's just, harmonics and even whenever you break down the word sophia which has been described as wisdom but also kind of like thrown over to be this like feminine essence this womanly essence mother essence uh expression creation but really wisdom it's translated into wisdom but if you break down the etymology you see so phi uh and phi being a reference to the golden mean ratio so being a reference to the sun Throwing the little A on there is usually of. So you're looking at the golden ratio of the sun. <laughs> so this is where you get the Father, the Son, and uh, the Holy Spirit um, and all these different references. But it's it's the information's there. It's, it's coded, but it's, it's used to perpetuate the dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, what – Babe, what you're saying is is not that far-fetched. It's not like a, Oh, I don't think it is yeah, either. I, I just think that to bring this level of 
enlightenment <laughs> forward <laughs> and to flip the light on this right here, it, it can be challenging. It's okay. Like if it, if it, you know, if you start coming up against this stuff and you're like, mm, I can't hear this, that, that makes me feel this or makes me feel, it's like, it's okay. It, it's just not time yet mm-hmm. for you to be in that space with what that information is for you. And it's okay to personify God um, to an extent and it can um, trap you as well. Mm -hmm. It can keep you trapped Mm -hmm. and not understanding why things don't work well in your Mm -hmm. life or why you feel disconnected in your relationship or why your external relationships don't work well. Um, Yeah. Personifying God as Holy Mother, Holy Father actually helped me heal so many of the issues mm -hmm. that I had with God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Me too. Take the weight off of my parents for having to do that and then like put that weight onto the personification of God and, and sometimes I still have to go to that place because mm-hmm. there's parts of my anatomy that that's the only way they can relate right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, I see lots of people in their spiritual journey who will um, even say through their own spiritual growth and process, they eliminated the need for their physical mother and father to still hold that position with them. And they were able to remove that construct, that relational construct, at least mentally for a while so that they could heal and see their parents just as people, you know, just Mm -hmm. as another man or another woman. And it allowed healing to happen. It created expansiveness for them. And so that's the whole thing. That's the same thing that will happen in our journey with God Mm -hmm. is there will come a point where we no longer need God to be daddy and mommy, right? Mm -hmm. Because then we understand the true nature of God and that we are held and anchored by that nature. Mm -hmm. And we can take all of those constructs off as well Mm -hmm. and expand ourselves, you know? Yeah. I noticed that in myself, whenever I've started to feel, I was like, why am I, um, getting hung up on the pronouns of God. God doesn't care about pronouns. <laughs> you know, because I was like, I was like, I don't even know what to call you. It, them, she, you know? And it's like, yeah, the, and that's how I'm like, you know what? I'm just going back to my indigenous roots and calling it the creator. <laughs> so, or God, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I liked what you said, Bo, because I find that sometimes I do, depending on the part of myself that I'm focusing on that is still in arrested development, mm-hmm. will um, relate to God in such a way that I am having to personify them because that aspect of me that I'm having to heal is immature, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. Which is totally part of the process, you yeah. know? So it's not to discredit that at all. But just to say, hey, you know, like as you grow up, your understanding of God is going to grow too, Mm -hmm. you know. Just like in any human development, it's like the roles that our parents play get dispensed. They they shift, yeah. right, as we grow up to become equals. And maybe we keep a relationship with them, um, especially if it's – there's a lot of functional communication there, but – the role of the parents is why they say it takes a village to raise a child is it's never solely meant to go to the children. So as we mature, the role itself and the energetic communication between the two points, A and B, the child and the parents, starts to shift. It starts to get shared in different ways. So as we mature in our spiritual journey, um, more we, we can let more things hold us. Mm-hmm. in different ways and that direct dependency that we need to holy mother holy father holy mother holy father i need you right now holy mother holy father help me with this i'm calling you in or, or whatever your practice is it starts to be 
Holy Mother, Holy Father, I know you're there for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm also letting these other things be there for me too. And we can let other let we can let that initial relationship govern all of our other ones. But it doesn't mean that that's the only place that we can ever go to get healing or that we can ever go to find solution. And it doesn't make us wrong for going to other places for solution because our parents would let us go stay the night at our friends' houses if we wanted, you know, in some some families, you know, just for the metaphor. (laughs) The guardianship shifts. It's meant to do that around age seven. We have a preferred guardian until about seven or eight, maybe a little bit later. And then naturally we start allowing other, other guardians into our space for ideal human development. Yeah. I like the whole idea too, of Jody, what you were saying that the people who have, um, you know, who are like, I can't hear this right now. I just can't, whatever. And, um, and I've, cause I've had that in so many areas of my life. And I find that those are where my biggest areas of growth can come from. If mm-hmm. I, um, if I kind of embrace the resistance, I mean, I kind of hate that mm-hmm. terminology, but really it's like, um, that resistance is the opposite, um, or not opposite, but it's kind of, you know, acting in opposition to, um, that that creation of, of a new idea or that expansion into something. And so it's like when you feel that resistance, maybe if that's something that comes up, um, just feel it, like feel around with it. Like, okay, why is this coming up? Where do I feel this in my body? What does this bring up for me? Um, you know, all of that kind of stuff, because that to me, that enlightenment, whatever is on the other (laughs) side of that, that next, Mm -hmm. that next wave of that is always on the other side of that resistance that we feel. Yeah. I think too, Mm -hmm. um, I love that you said that because I, for myself, the first time that I even gave this consideration was probably seven or eight months ago. And, and I, and I'm saying that in the way that I could articulate it the way I did on that little post, it was like four sentences. You know what I mean? Like, because it, I finally came into a place where I, I literally was like, Oh, I'm playing with this in my life. Like this is actually how I'm experiencing God in my life. And the first time it was brought forward to me, was in something I read that was like, when you really begin to understand the nature of God, you will drop all personality worship. And I was like, whoa. When it when I read it, I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, oh my God. And this was months ago. And so it stuck. It really stuck in there because I was like, wow, this is really, this is really powerful because it has the potential to redefine so much of how I relate in my life, period. And so I understand that there is a point of resistance sometimes when those things come up and we have, we have cultivated a practice in a way that makes us feel yet again, safe or safe enough. Do you know what I mean? And then for new information about that relationship to come in, it can be rather jarring and it can be like, I'm not ready to relinquish the relationship I have. I'm not ready to move into that new level of understanding the depths of this relationship. I like it just right here, right where it is, which is perfectly fine because when you're ready, then you can go deeper. It's not like it's going to be taken away from you and you won't get the opportunity again. It's just, um, 
it comes around. You know what? It like comes around and like taps you on the shoulder and lets you see it. And then you're like, okay, what am I going to do with this? And then maybe <laughs> I'm not ready for that right now. You know. And um, when it comes to God specifically, I think this is the one thing that I see so much of, especially in the session work that we do is like, <sighs> there's so much magic around this concept of God. And because of, like Danica, you saying, the levels of arrested development within us and the childlike pieces of us that have been stuck in the places within us because of hurt and trauma and wounding, those pieces and parts are still very much wanting to cling to the quote-unquote magic Mm -hmm. um, because it is an immature part of us attempting to live in an adult manifestation. Mm -hmm. And it's what keeps adults cycling in these places of fantasy called spirituality. Mm -hmm. And it keeps us very ignorant of what's true and what's real. And then everything becomes about, you know, blind faith, as they say. And uh, it's all magic and it's just all mystery. And you just believe because you believe because we're still holding on to Santa Claus and things like that, you know, truly like it's the piece of us and the parts of us that want that magic and that mystery and that belief that something could just appear out of nowhere and we could wave a wand and, you know, we could do all these things and we get lost in it as adults. But it's because of those younger arrested parts of us actually governing the emotional aspects of us still they're still very much in charge yeah and so it's just healing it's just a bunch of healing y'all that's what it is so yeah Mm -hmm. well this may complete our discussion (laughs) we may have come to the end (laughs) where we have run out of words (laughs) now we're all just pondering Right. Yeah. It's just a lot of content. We're all just going to sit with it, walk away, live our lives, go to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pon- uh, contemplate the metaphor of me pruning my plants in my garden. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pruning is necessary for life. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. Well, we thank everybody who's um, stayed in the conversation with us, who is. Mm-hmm. Uh, supported the podcast as always there's many different ways to do that and um we want to thank you shannon yeah for joining us um this is shannon morton once again and um how can people connect with you um uh instagram i'm at stellar shannon i think wow i don't even know my own instagram handle um, I think that's what it is. <laughs> it is. Do, you see, do we see how sad this is? Um, <laughs> and then um, I think my awesome husband put a link to my to my website to the schedule or whatever in my bio. But if you have questions, you can always like DM me or whatever. Totally fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll put your information in the show notes too to make it easy for awesome. yeah for everyone <laughs> to be able to contact you and connect with you as well. Okay. I have a feeling that you'll probably be a regular contributor to the podcast, I'm sure. I love chatting with you guys. It's so much fun. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. As always, we walk away brand new (laughs) from our conversations with Shannon. It's invigorating. That's a good relationship. And um, yeah, this is uh, the first uh, guest of what we hope will be, what we hope will be many Mm -hmm. on this show. And uh, it's been exciting for us to Bring it to all of you listeners and in honor, um, Shannon, to have you as our first guest as well. And 
I think with that, uh, yeah. to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And see you next time. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> see you later.